Hey, welcome to Real Talk, episode 142. I'm Todd, this is AJ, and we're back. November 16th, 2021, where were you? I'm here with you. <laughs> and behind the camera, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Fun Turn Clint. Welcome, Fun Turn. Hello, hello. Once again, thank you. Saturday night. It always reminds me of like a late night radio host. That's right, man. If you're new to the show, then let me explain what we're about. We don't know. I'm just kidding. We're about life. Uh, this is an opportunity, a platform, podcast, video show, whatever you want to call it, webinar, webinar. based on uh, uh, where we discuss life, God, the Bible, and everything in between. Somewhere in the description of this podcast or video or wherever you're watching slash listening, you will see a link. The link is www.theremnant.life slash real dash talk. The real in that is R-E-A-L. So www.theremnant.life slash real dash talk. Click the link, go down to submit a question, hit the box, form fillable box, tippity tap your question, comment, concern, article, whatever it may be. Hit yes, sir. send, and it goes into our database. What? Completely anonymously could not find you if we tried. That's right. You are completely protected. <laughs> From us finding you, yeah. <laughs> so I'd like to point out that we look very official today. As you'll notice, we have our show notes. Yeah. Uh, those listening, we're really, really deciding after... Three, four years of the show to become more professional. <laughs> so we still haven't researched. We like to keep um, sort of the – we want to keep it organic and like it's a real conversation. Yeah. So, yeah, we look up verses sometimes of the section, the questions, but we don't discuss the questions ahead of time. Really we good, just right? bring it to you. Because otherwise right, it's not real talk. No, it's not. It's, it's scripted. Yep, and you'll learn very quickly that we're not scripted in the least. No, not at all. So, as you can look, AJ, if you'll see on our show notes here, yeah, we've done part one, and we'll move into part two. So, would you like to catch everyone up just briefly uh, on your life? Yeah. How you doing? Um, so, well, let me pause real quick. Sorry, I'm terrible. Oh, I do want to hype something up. Guys, we got a heck of a show today. Yeah, it's, I'm um, excited. And we, we, and I mean that. So... Part of the reason we're moving to show notes, I'm sorry, this is going to sound out of nowhere, but this is important. I want to hype this up. Yeah. Not only do you get to hear these guys' lives, which that alone is pretty awesome. It's interesting. we got some incredible questions. We have some real news, real views that, uh, in my opinion, might be one of the best as far as, boy, we're, you know, I don't even know how to say it. Polarizing? Nice. Good good word. Some, we do love to polarize. Oh, we polarize just by our very being. So anyway, <laughs> stick around. Enjoy the show, but I mean it. You know, sometimes I'm sure it becomes monotonous, but listen, I know you listen to your other little podcast, probably about, you know, how to bake a cake or something. Bake a cake. So stick around, because this is half as interesting as that, at least. <laughs> All right, AJ, my apologies. Please tell us again how you're doing. Um, oof. So, did, I guess I'll try to keep it as short as possible, because I know if I were to kind of like really dive in and probably take up forever so i'll try yeah. to i'll try to keep it as short as possible um don't even know where to start that's what's hard about it um i'm just stretching definitely <laughs> definitely going through through a through a hard time uh just with life you know i know i've, I've had to really ask myself a lot of questions just you know and I've, I've had you guys really, really dig into me really deep, which has just been really, it has been a blessing. Um, and I don't know, man, I'm just, I'm just, I'm facing a lot of challenges in my life right now that are, um, I guess I could say overall are kind of just reoccurring themes of like, man, like, 
I don't like to take responsibility for things. Like I don't, you know, I'm 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 selfish and I uh you know, I have a lot of arrogance in me and like I've realized that a lot of the time in my life, man, I like to I like to kind of view life from just my own like my own self in a way of like I don't like to take the weight of how I make others feel sometimes and like I don't because to me it's easier that way like I don't when I can just think of myself and like how I mess up life I'm like oh like you know that's just AJ you know that's just me I and I can I can handle that handle that quote but then when I start thinking about how that affects others and like what that does to them that that's when I you know it becomes very uh surreal because Mm -hmm. i think a lot of my life man i haven't really taken the responsibility of my own actions Mm -hmm. you know i don't think i've really done that and i'm currently in a place right now where i that's i feel like i don't really i don't really have much of an option besides having to feel that Mm -hmm. the weight of those those you know actions that i've i've done and so i'm trying to be in a place of humility uh you know it's one thing that I feel like I've always had a hard time doing even now is I, I don't, I feel like I'm not very good at, at balancing between being humble, but also like being hopeful, <laughs> humble and hopeful. I think a lot of the time, uh, humility to me, and maybe this, maybe this is just because my view of it is kind of skewed because I don't like myself, but like humility, a lot of the time is just kind of beating yourself up, which is not like, Mm. There's no progress made. And, like, I guess, like, I can see that now, but in the moments, I tend to not go there. I tend to just either, you know, I beat myself up and sit there, and that's when I, that's kind of the moments I'm starting to realize. Those are the times when I am making it about me and not the weight and hurt that I've made others feel. And so it's like, Mm. how do I, I guess the question I'm asking is, like, how do I get past that? How do I, in those moments when I am, feeling the weight of the decisions I've made and and the consequences. It's like, what, how do I get past just looking at it from the view of me and seeing the weight of others? And how do I tangibly and actually change things in my life to make it to where those don't happen, you know? Mm. And that is kind of where I'm at, I guess, to keep it short. Like, um, I don't know, man. So it's, it's been hard, you know, and I've been trying to, um, you know, I've been. I just been really trying to fight for joy, even though I feel like I'm not fighting very hard. I know that I can fight harder, but I. I guess I shouldn't say I've been trying. I. Sh- I should say, uh, I need to fight for joy, um, because a lot of the time I can feel myself just kind of uh, sink into that, and then I just kind of sit, and I, that's not helping anything. So why don't you like yourself? <sighs> Um, so you, there's, there's like, you are looking at you. What mm-hmm. don't you like about that guy? It's like, I don't, it's almost like I don't recognize him. It's like, I don't even know who you are. So why does that make you not like him? Uh, because then I don't recognize him in any sense that there's nothing. Like there's not even anything good. Okay. But you that's, you're not answering my question. So I get that, but okay. Yeah. So what, why don't you like that guy? There's nothing good. What do you mean? Okay. So what's bad? Uh, he's standing right there. What is it? Who is this guy? Why don't you like him? He doesn't stand for anything. He well, doesn't if, really. If he did, what would he be doing differently? If he did? Yeah. How do you know he doesn't stand for anything? Uh, he doesn't think about it. He doesn't, 
he doesn't really take action. He, mm-hmm. You know, he, or if he does, it's it's not. Take action and what though? So you don't like do a weekly show about God? I do. Or he doesn't, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he does, but he doesn't. You know, that's kind of what it feels like. Well, we're not talking about whether or not he does it well, right? We're first off just talking about. I'm not saying you don't, but I mean, let's just let's let's re- be real. I'm not mocking you. Let's think about this guy as a person. Mm-hmm. So you said he doesn't stand up for anything. Is that true? It's what it feels like. So if somebody came up and said, hey, dude, Christ is scum and isn't real and it's pathetic. You just sit there? Um, or would you say, no, that's not true, man? I think I'd probably say it's not okay, true. Okay, so then there's certain <laughs> things he does stand up for. He just yeah. doesn't stand up as often as you'd like? Uh, that's probably better. Okay. better ways. All to right, what else? Um, he doesn't really, doesn't really seem to care about anything. That's what it feels like. <laughs> um, he just kind of settles in for mediocrity uh doesn't like the idea of greatness because it's too much (laughs) so why does that make you not like him because he he's accepted where he's at even though even frustrated even though knowing it's not where he wants to be here even knowing that's not where he wants to be, but that there's also, there's more to life. Like, there's more to what you're doing. You know? It's like having, it's like he has the awareness. It's like he has this general awareness that there's more, but he doesn't want to go to it. Why does that make him unlikable to you? <sighs> because, because, I, I don't know, man. It's just so, like, it feels weak. It, it's weak. Do you, and that makes you mad if you that he's weak. Absolutely. Okay, so it. Let me stop you real quick. Just point this out. So you're mad at the, these qualities. So what does that tell us about that? Are you actually those things? If you were, why would it make you mad? Like if your heart was the was all those things, would it? Why would it make you mad? Because then I think you wouldn't it, have a recognition. You wouldn't even have a standard. Does this make sense? You have a standard in your head that you are not meeting. Which for, okay, but you're hating yourself for that as though you don't have the desire to do it. Maybe it's not strong enough. Yeah, I think maybe that's part of it too is like, is it what you just said? Like, like the, the desire to like, it's like it's not strong enough. It's, it's like I you, know, yeah, it's like I know that makes sense. Like the whole standard thing, because then I wouldn't have one if I didn't. What if, how many other people that have those traits do you hate? In the world, like you meet a guy and he's weak, do you automatically hate him? No. What What do you think? I mean, you might get mad at him, right? But beyond <laughs> yeah. that, what do you feel towards him? Um, sad. Okay, but you hate yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, the grace that you offer others, you don't, you don't, you don't get that yourself from yourself. Yeah, I think it's because I realize that I have been given a very good opportunity and I've been given a very good environment and I'm just kind of like kind of thrown it away (laughs) I guess what I'm trying to say man is sometimes do you think it's easier to hate yourself because you and I I don't know this is a question I'm trying to get better like my tone (laughs) all right I've been sharing that with you guys but I'll share that with the old pod squad here milk or whatever rumble jumble all you folks listening watching (laughs) but do you Do you think it's easier 
to just accept that this is who you are or to accept that you're not being, you're not putting the effort to, to be something. Oh, it's much easier just to accept that's who you are. But isn't that, so isn't that what you're doing though? Like you're just hating yourself mm -hmm. because if you hate yourself, then you still don't have to move. You just get to sit and hate yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, because it's... Because it's like, this is going to sound weird. How can you hate that guy, right? When you were the one, the one who's hating him is also the one that could help him. <laughs> yeah, it's odd. I'm not mocking him. We all do it, right? I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sitting here. It's a pot calling the kettle black. I hate myself too many times. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that I can't see sometimes the irrational, you know? Like, I'm not even irrational because that means like it's negative. Like, hey, that's a lie that you're living out of. Yeah. That's, Does that um, make sense? That makes sense. I think a, the difference, like even like using yourself, like saying like, yeah, like, like I have a lot of parts of me I don't like either. Like, oh, I hate him. I said the same thing. That's, that's <laughs> right. You said that. You said you hate him too. Is like you, the, I guess the difference is that you seem to have that, like that. There's something in you that that gets you past it. You know what I'm saying? Past it in what way? Like you're able to go, okay, that's a lie, and then you can go, okay, so that now that I recognize that's a lie. How does that show itself? That I that you know that I guess that you're saying, hey, you you move past it. What is the evidence of that? Uh, just the things you've done in life, man. Like you've done a lot of crazy stuff because you've been willing to look past those lies. Like what, um, beyond like, you know, okay, so like what's a couple of the things? The reason is I'm trying to, I'm trying to understand your mind. Like, I feel not, about tooting my horn here, but like when yeah. you say that, just like what's two maybe simple things? I feel like there's like two, okay, so like two things would be like, we were literally just talking about like, like your back, for example, like mm -hmm. that's a big one. Like you could have easily just accepted those, mm -hmm. those, uh, you know, true, like accept that as like, that's a fact, I'm never going to walk or play Yeah, exactly, yeah, you could have just yeah. accepted that, and but you didn't. What does um, that have, real quick, okay, what's the second one, sorry, and then I'll tell you. Uh, or even like you, like starting, you know, being a part, like like starting the church, like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, the, so the one about, um, the first one, right? Yeah. How does that have anything to do, like, with self-hatred? My willingness to push past that. Uh, because I'd imagine there's probably many times where you, probably hated the fact that you couldn't move i did hate that but what's why what does that have to do with hating me um did it ever make you feel like weak like sure so like did you hate that sure but why is that me see i viewed that as something out that something that was excuse me trying to defeat me and so then I tried to push through it, you know. And of mm -hmm. course I hated, I had those moments. I think we all do. And I don't mean to imply that, like, it's that easy. Just don't. Right. But let's go to the second one, the church thing. Dude, I didn't do that. Like, that, that, that's something I want to talk about, man. It's like, the only way I can overcome that, and I do that daily. You, you, weekly at least, you know my, like, when I preach or whatever. Mm -hmm. How I have to, like, how I pray and how hard it is. It's faith, man. It's putting God above myself. I mm. think, I think... And I'm not just saying that. See, I think sometimes I say that and you or the guys or like someone out there is going, oh, that's what you vote. No, man. Like, I'll be honest with you. You know that. When it comes to that, many, many times, I mean, from the moment, dude, you and I walk right past you, the streaming table, up to the front. In that, I'm not even exaggerating. Almost every time to the minute, 
that I'm doing that, I'm, I'm thinking you you should do this. You were scum. You're, you have no right to say things to people like that. I hear that mm. inner voice. But, and maybe that's true. Maybe those things are true. And this is something I think you've got to, like, really wrestle with sometimes. Is Even if it's true that all these things are about you, God said move. So, and if we've talked before, but really internalize this for a minute. So I try to walk even though I don't feel worthy and I don't like myself. Even if I hate myself, I at least want to be obedient, like in most certain moments. So, you know, when you, when you let yourself hatred stop you from doing things that you feel like you want to do and you feel like God's called you to do, you are setting yourself above him. Yeah. You really are, right? I the, mean, I'm not just being corny. Like, I'm being serious. Does that make sense? Because yeah. I don't want to make this seem, like, flippant. No, that does make sense. And it makes sense, like, in the fact that I know one of my biggest flaws is, is like, that idea of putting myself above God. Because I think a lot of the time, like, I do have, like, that pride and, like, that stubborn and arrogance in me of, like, don't tell me what to do. Like, <laughs> because... Go. Because growing up, like, you know, I was never told what to do. And if and if they did, it never held true. So why listen? You know, so it's like. That's a different topic. I mean, that's a different issue, man. You know? Like, yeah. What do you do with that? No. I mean, I don't know. That might be a topic for a different time. Yeah. But, but I don't know. Something to think about, man, is like, yeah. what do you do with that? I, I think they, I think those are probably. Maybe those kind of tie in together, maybe in a way, or like. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. Like, don't tell me what to do, right? Right. So, no wonder. Yeah. So like, you're, then you're just like, I'll just do what I want, and but yet you hate what, like, what you want isn't leading you where you want to be. Yeah, it's it's a weird like. So you're almost mad that I can't do what I want and get to where I want to be. <laughs> yeah, it's very weird. It's like a. I mean, it's human. But it, yeah, it's a good way to put it, but like. I think, yeah, there's a part of me that's just like, man, like, it kind of feels like th there's two sides of me, which is, would make sense, I guess, is like, there's that part of me that just wants to settle into, like, what, what I feel like I am, and then the other side of me is going, no, you got to push past and be what you really are, and that's, that's kind of what I'm feeling, which, well, I guess I, I, I've kind of always felt that, but it's more prominent now just because of the circumstances. Boils down to that simple question, man, sometimes. I think for you, not for everyone's issues, and we all go through these moments, is do you want to be healed? Mm. You know, Jesus came to the, the man uh, who couldn't walk beside the pool. If you don't know the story in the Bible, there's a guy standing by a pool, and there was sort of this pagan belief that the Jews had sort of adopted, or the, some of them, that, you know, when the water would stir, they thought an angel was touching, it could heal, and so he just chilled by the pool. And didn't even make a move towards it. Not that it would do anything anyway. Probably because maybe deep down he knew it wouldn't. I've considered that too. Hmm. Uh, but he was living in excuses, man. That's what that guy was doing. Yeah. And how do I know? Because when Jesus came to him, Jesus, the first thing Jesus says to this guy who'd been there that, out of nowhere. Apparently Jesus just sees him and walks up and says this. Do you want to be healed? Or do you want to be well? And the guy goes, hey, I'm trying, all right? I can't get down here and no one helps me. And, and he goes, different thoughts you know you want to be healed again or he just says get up take your mat and go home and he just stands up like at the end of the day he, which i love too because it's jesus cuts through our excuses mm. but i think for you man is you're, you're laying by the pool and you keep being asked do you want to be healed and you would rather lay down if in this case yeah that that side of it you'd rather lay there because you're quote choosing to 
than to obey. Yeah, get that's up really good. Yeah. Now you say yeah, and everybody that's on camera, like this is us being very real, but that when does the yeah become because I can already tell, dude. I think that's how I get frustrated on a personal relationship. Sometimes you say yeah, and I'm like, you're not actually hearing or agreeing. Because I know you. Like, do you actually let like what do you actually think about that? Beyond just saying, yeah, man, we're on a show, so I need to pretend to agree that that's good. I I see it. Like I see But you would you, rather lay there? Sometimes. I don't know, man. I guess I guess you know. Which I think it kinda like goes into like that that part of me that's like it's kind of that that I think I was kinda talking about briefly before we came on was like that kind of like that that hopeless feeling of inside of me. Like mm-hmm. that's the one that just sometimes is like, yeah, I'd just rather lay here and let it let it go. You know? Um, and I think that side tends to come out during, during times, like, I guess when circumstances are bad, that, that's when that time, that, that part of me tends to come out the most, it feels like. Yeah. That's tough, man, for real. But I mean, you know, at least you're being honest. This is what you do about that, but I don't know. Sometimes you got to move. Yeah, and that's where it's funny, man, because I can look back too, and this is where it's it's really hard. And I get, I guess this is probably where I also get mad. Like you were asking earlier, really, like why I'm mad at that get that that one. Like you're like, why are you mad at that guy? Because he's had times where he has moved, and he remembers it, and it's like, oh, and there that look what happened. So it's like having to also like, okay, so you've seen that, then why aren't you want to do it now? Like. I think that's also why I get mad, too. Yeah, but it's just so crazy. It's like getting mad. It's like me getting mad that I don't have a drink of that when I could just take this cup and take a drink of it. Hmm. Yeah, it kind of goes... Because you can't change what's already happened. You can only change what you do moving forward. You just want to sit there and like get mad at yourself for the things that you haven't done up to this point and then sit in it because you did that which is very irrational versus saying, okay, you know, it's like having a dirty house and then saying, well, because my house is dirty and I let it get here, I'm just going to sit here and look at it. And then it gets dirtier and dirtier. And then, so then you're continually mad instead of just getting up and cleaning it. That's yeah, that's actually, I'm really, what that just reminded me of is like when I was living uh, in Fort Wayne like using like the analogy like my room because mm-hmm. that's kind of what it was like like I remember I remember moments of literally thinking like that of like man this place is disgusting and then like I would just lay in it yeah man I mean everyone has a choice hmm. uh, you know I think for you, you know, God's, you're right God's giving you a lot of cool opportunities and gifts and you just you gotta move man you gotta hmm. if you wanna if, and this goes for all of us if you want something different you have to do something different Period. You can't wait to want to do it. You can't wait till you feel like doing it. You got to do it. And if there's only one thing at a time you can even focus on, okay, then pick that thing, write it on your arm. You guys know I used to do it around my wrist. Like write something, whatever you need to do, your phone, to remind you to do that one thing differently. That's really good, man. I think that's great advice because I think, and that's something I struggle with is like, I think I can, I can tend to like, think I have to fix it all in a day. And I think that's another part of the reason why I get overwhelmed. 
can't do that, man. Yep. So Most like, of the time, people don't even want the people around you. Don't even expect that. They just want to see that you care enough to make any movements. <laughs> you know, that's probably why a lot of divorces happen. You get to the point where it's like this is so big. There's nothing we can do to fix all this. Instead of taking one step at a time, you know, which could be who knows. Hmm. Saying I love you one more time that you wouldn't say it normally. <sighs> you know, it could just start there. So anyway, it's good stuff, man. I'm yeah. praying for you. Keep Thank keep you. keep walking it out. I think it's good, you know, that you're thinking through this stuff. Yeah. But I know I didn't expect it to run as long as it did, but what about you, man? How are you doing? I'm all right. My back's hurt again. I hurt my back again really bad for those that are longtime viewers of the show. I've had a really bad back injury probably seven years ago, and it flares up, and it's pretty bad right now. Like, um happened started happening Sunday evening uh, yeah Sunday evening and you know speaking of frustration I can get frustrated because I'm like gosh darn it if I would have kept up on these certain exercises it probably wouldn't have happened which it probably wouldn't have um you know because the, the the reality is I'm in the position I was, was told I have to have surgery and I chose I chose not to do that and just train and constantly rehab and I don't have leeway to not do that stuff and sometimes I did you know you get busy life's gotten busy lately which I yeah. hate that because everybody's less busy I hate the word busy but anyway, yeah. that's the big thing. Like right now it hurts. Praise God for medicine and praise God for, uh, you know, that some relief that I've gotten periodically. But that's the big thing. My back hurts and, and trying to think through, I guess, taking my, so you know how I think. Like I know it's going to hurt to do the things I need to do to get my back right. But mm -hmm. sit here and think about that or do it. So it's good. Not good to do. Fun turn. You doing all right? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. Any pretty news good. for on your end? You want to discuss? Uh, not, not, nothing too crazy. I guess I'm just thinking about life in general. Um, what do I want to do with it? Um, weird moments. This time of year, because I'm around my family, I get onslaughted a lot with, you're not doing the right thing in life. You're done mm -hmm. doing that. You should be married. You should have a different job. You should work at a factory. You should go do da 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 So I get onslaughted a lot, and you know me. I... Eventually, if I get yelled at enough, I start to think about it, and then I look at my life around me, and I go, "Start to think about I, it." <laughs> I want to, I want to do more. I want to be more. I want to do all this stuff, and mm -hmm. and I've been really, I guess, not really struggling, but definitely like I'm handling it better than I did last year. I can already tell. Like I'm legitimately thinking about it because, and also to the point where I'm like, okay, well then, what is thinking gets me nowhere? So what do I want to actually do? And I'm just going back and forth between like four or five different things and being like, okay, well, we're going to start here. We're going to start there. Which one do you want to start at? And then just go from there. So you're at the stage where you've picked something or you have not yet? You just know um, you need to. You don't I, have to say right, what it is. I'm just yeah, curious I, I've stage. picked at least one thing that I want to start doing. And however well it will go, we'll, one, we'll one definitely thing at a time, see. Which you said. That's and then nice. I've definitely cool. been seriously thinking about uh, working out again, getting back into that role as well as like, Playing basketball on Sunday has revitalized some of that, like, well, I am not hitting shots that I should hit, and that mm -hmm. annoys me. So especially mm -hmm. when I've practiced them about 100 times, <laughs> and I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, yeah. And I'm a bigger guy, so I should be able to be a center, but I am terrible at it. So, <laughs> oh, you got a lot better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man, I, uh, you know, one other bit of advice, I guess, big brother, um, one of the things I try to do, too, is, like, you tell people close to you what that one thing you're going to do, and same for you. 
not so they can jump you every time, but it, like once you tell people, your your own mind goes, crap, I got to do this now. Like That's true. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. something to think about for those out there too. If you want to make a change, just share that goal or that, that thing with someone so that your mind holds you to it, but they can also be ones to kind of ask you. That's really good, man, because then also if you make it known to people and you end up not doing it, how bad did you really want to do it? Yeah, it's true. All right, well, good stuff, guys. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Fun turn, I think that's awesome. It's good for people to hear that too. You know, life is a constant part of that. I think sometimes people think we're sad because we we, we share with you guys this kind of harder stuff, but, man, we all think this stuff. I was just thinking while you're talking, I was like, people probably think we're all mopey and depressed all the time, and maybe we are sometimes because you, you think deep. Yeah. Um, but ignorance is bliss, right? That's that saying. I don't want to be ignorant, even if it's blissful. Does that make sense? Like, I don't want to... Oh, yeah. I don't want to live in this surface level stuff where I'm just trying to distract myself from reality. Yeah, because so. because you just once again it's, it, it's kind of like what I was saying earlier about like how you know there's more. Like mm-hmm. you know there's more. Like you can't ignore it. You know, especially if you're really following, man. It's hard to just take this hard truth, like this, like this, these deep facts of life and ignore them after you realize them you just it's hard it's it's really hard to do i can't do it i even if i want to i can't (laughs) because it haunts you (laughs) it's crazy good stuff all right well hey let's jump on into our questions we got a lot for you today got a jam-packed show uh that's serious so aj yes i'm up i think i'll ask you first okay um now this person references a video the video we don't have but the topic is from the video i think so okay question is by the way, not trying to I hope you guys know like we don't typically just blow past people's lives like that, but we're just trying to share some of our lives <laughs> without taking the whole show to do so. So yeah. that we're not trying yeah. to be flipping them. I, the guys know we I love what they share and we talk about this stuff a lot privately. So I found this video on here we go. Ready? Questions. Yep. <laughs> I found this video on Facebook. I want to see what you guys think of this passage. Numbers five, eleven through thirty-one has become the go-to Bible passage of pro-choice advocates to show that the Bible supports abortion. Mm-hmm. Now, to help you out, AJ, okay. I pulled up the appropriate verse, okay? Okay. And I think that, um, I don't, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's a huge section. You guys can go check it out. So it's Numbers chapter 5, verses 11 through 31. And what it essentially describes is what's called a jealous offering, okay? Mm-hmm. And what happens is, um, this is Old Testament, of course, is yeah. if a, back then the... You know, the penalty for adultery is death. That's right. kill you, I think. Um, is what, so the Lord told Moses about this, this jealousy offering, supposedly. So if a man's wife goes astray, is unfaithful to him, sleeps with another, but is concealed from her husband, meaning lied, and she's undetected, even though she has defiled herself, since there's no witness against her and she wasn't caught in the act. And then if a feeling of jealousy comes over the husband, he becomes jealous because of his wife who has defiled herself. Or if a feeling of jealousy comes over him and becomes jealous of her, though she has not defiled herself. So essentially, if he is feeling jealous and is suspecting her of cheating on him, mm-hmm. this is and he believes it that strongly, this is what he should do. And it describes this thing where they go to the priest, they give this offering of two quarts of barley flour. It's going to sound crazy. Um, and then the priest brings her forward. He takes some wa- holy water, puts it, mixes it. And then he has the woman, the woman stands before the priest, lets her hair down, and places her hands in the, the grain, kind of watery grain. Yeah. And then makes, uh, the, and then the priest is to hold the bitter water that brings a curse, and essentially she'll drink this water. Um, no, 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 I'm sorry. He will tell her that essentially she needs to, to kind of make an oath. And he says, if you have gone astray, 
This is in verse 30. Mm-hmm. Right, it starts at verse 19. The priest will then require the woman to take an oath and will say to her, If no man has slept with you, if you have not gone astray and become defiled while under your husband's authority, be unaffected by this bitter water that brings a curse. But if you have gone astray while under your husband's authority, if you have defiled yourself and a man other than your husband has slept with you, at this point the priest must make the woman take the oath with the sworn curse. And he is to say to her, May the Lord make you into an object of your people's cursing and swearing when he makes your thigh shrivel and your belly swell. It's interesting. May this water that brings a curse enter into your stomach, causing your belly to swell and your thigh to shrivel. And the woman must reply, Amen and Amen. Then the priest is to write these curses on a scroll, wash them off into the bitter water, and then he'll require the woman to drink the water. Hmm. And then he is to take the grain offering of jealousy from the woman's hand, wave the offering for the Lord, and bring it to the altar. Uh, then he will require the woman to essentially drink that water, right? Right. When he makes her drink the water, if she's defiled herself and become unfaithful to her husband, the water then brings a curse. That brings a curse will enter her and and cause bitter suffering. Her belly will swell and her thigh will shrivel. She will become a curse among her people. But if the woman has not defiled herself and is pure, she will be unaffected and will be able to conceive children. Hmm. And blah, blah, blah. Um, and essentially either way, right? If right. she doesn't make her sick or whatever, then she... Didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Now, this is going to sound crazy to us in general before we start, right? Sure. Because it's, it's it's we're 21st century. And right. it also involves, remember, this is Moses, the guy who split the Red Seas. God was really showing himself powerfully back then through Moses to show that he was who he said he was, right, for That's a purpose. Right. So we've got to put aside our, our modern thing sensibilities that say God didn't, you know, that didn't actively move through things. So that thing does that a lot of, and I've heard this myself, that that yeah. is a, that concoction is an abortion causing concoction, which, which admits that God is okay with abortion under certain circumstances. Yeah, I don't think that's true. Um, I think this passage really to me is, I feel like the, the meaning behind this passage is, hey, if you are telling the truth in this, you should have no worries here. Mm-hmm. Like, people are looking into the actual act of what's happening. I think they're looking into it a little too much. Because, And I feel like we do that a lot when we read in the Bible. Sometimes I think we can kind of take it as like, as like a, oh, that means we should go do that literal thing. You know what I'm saying? Well, so like, yeah. And this, well, this was a command that God did give them to do. They did this. Right. And so, so and I, I guess... I would, I guess, to me, it's it's one of those things where it's like, okay, he commanded them to do that, and the reason why he would do it is because if she was being honest, like it wouldn't be a big deal. Won't happen anyway. Right. So even if it if it does, right, and she, where does it say that she has an abortion? Where does it say she's pregnant? It it doesn't. Mm-hmm. There's no. Yeah. It's great. That's. I'm glad you said that. So let me tell you why people started to jump to this. It actually comes from, in my, and I think a lot of people's opinions, a mistranslation that the NIV did. Okay. Okay? So I'm trying to find the NIV here, um, version, because I pulled that up. Yes, I did. Yeah, there, yeah there, you're right. There's zero mention of this woman exactly. being pregnant. But when you heard it, thing. did you think that, or just because the, did you notice that, or did, did your mind immediately assume there was because of the question itself? Does that make sense? I think, I think when you ask the question, what it does, if you're not careful, yeah, like I was for they set you up, right? Exactly, because I was kind of thinking, oh, maybe she's like, okay. So this is how the NIV translates verse. Remember the part about your thigh to shrivel and your belly to swell. This is how that translates the NIV. 
Starting at verse 20, it says, But if you've gone astray while well, married your husband, and you have made yourself impure by having sexual relations with a man other than your husband, here the priest is to put the woman under this curse. May the Lord curse you to become a curse among your people when he makes your womb miscarry and your abdomen swell. May this water that brings a curse enter your body so that your abdomen swells or your womb miscarries. Even then, um, even if that translation is wrong, which I do believe in a lot of... Scholars believe it's not. That's why the ESV, the first one I read was the HCSB. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Meaning HCSB, ESV, these are uh, they're called wooden or literal translations. It's more close to the exact kind of meaning of the... Right. The NIV is not a t- bad version of itself, but you gotta you got to be careful with little things like this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's no mention in here that the woman is pregnant. Yeah, that still, that's that still the, doesn't imply correct. that she's pregnant. Correct, and all, that's what I was going to say. And even with that word miscarry, it says Adam as well, or your womb miscarry, right? That's right. So this is going to be weird. We almost got me. And no, I think you got. I think you caught it right away. It's just they, <laughs> so the word when it says in the ESV, remember it says your thigh will shrivel. That's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Your womb will swell. What is a thigh shriveling? Well, got to look into Eastern um, culture. A lot of times, thigh when you look at other mentions of it in the Bible implies the loins. I got you. So her privates will shrivel. So when you think of a woman, right, even in our day, when they say they become, excuse me, dried up, shrivel, what does that mean? What do you think of? I can't reproduce. Exactly. Right? Menopause, mm-hmm. even. You sh- if, you, if you dry up, if your thigh, you know, falls away, whatever. Yeah. It's like the implication that you're no longer fertile, right? Exactly. So some people may be like, oh, so you're making them not fertile. No. There, who knows what it means? It might just mean for a time even. It doesn't even necessarily say permanent. But the point is, is that first, that doesn't, you're, you're reading into this. It never mentions that she's pregnant. In mm-hmm. fact, if she's pregnant, he'd probably know. Like, um, because why would he even have suspicions? Mm. He would just think it's his. Anyway, the point mm-hmm. is, and I like what you said, because I think you said it, if she didn't, then she has nothing to worry about. Right. And a lot of the women probably would be like, I'm just going to fess up because I don't want that to happen. Exactly. It's- but... Even yep. if it did, there's no indication. What it really seems to imply is that there's gonna your, your belly, your womb's gonna you're gonna have reproductive issues moving forward. It's going to curse you. Maybe it's this is gonna sound weird. What if it's terrible, just pains? Yeah. Um, regardless, there is no indication that this is anything about abortion. Okay, you're reading into it from one verse that was mistranslated. Right. And even in the mistranslated verse, it says or probably meaning. Or you're, you'll miscarry, meaning like you're not going to be able to reproduce. Yeah, right. Man. It doesn't mean you're already pregnant. Also, even if it was, that wouldn't support abortion because God Himself is the one who's determining what's happening. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yep. Not man. Does that make sense? You think? Yeah, abs- so absolutely. That's that's just me entering the argument based on your um, interpretation, which I believe is a poor interpretation. Long story short, this section is just describing what happens to kind of find out. And it also protects the woman because men can get jealous sometimes for no reason, can't they? Absolutely. So then all of a sudden they go and do this and nothing happens. The man's not going to be able to treat her poorly. Yes. He's got to accept it, right? It was a form of protection. Yeah, way, from exactly. So I, I hope that answers you guys' question. Though That is my thought on that. All right. Our thought. So good cool. job, AJ. I think you caught it right away. Actually. Thanks, man. Um, let's see. So next question is we have Exodus here. It's a Exodus 24 and 4 through 6. Question is, where did the phrase anything you put above God is an idol? Where did that come from? Okay, so that section I just pulled up here says, Do not make 
an idol for yourself or whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above or in the earth below or in the waters under the earth. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the father's sin to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing faithful love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. My assumption here in your question is you're saying this just describes that idols are actual hand-made things like false gods, and you're yeah. saying, well, how? where did we get the phrase anything you put above God is an idol? I think you kind well, of described it in the section, right? Like, yes, but I think what they're saying is that's not... Like, literal. You can't put relationships above God. Oh, got like, you. There's no like image of that. It doesn't matter. The spirit behind it is anything that you put above God that you make more important than God's commands, that you look to for identity and purpose is an idol. That's right. Right? And so throughout time, sometimes, like, and that's why, so where did the phrase come from? From It's also in the New Testament. It talks about this stuff, too. Hold on. I'll try to find that. Okay. Does that make sense, though? Yeah, oh, definitely. So essentially, I, I don't, I feel like the question kind of sets it up that me and you who's asking a question are sort of debating I don't. I hope that's. So I'm not trying to sound argumentative, but what I am saying is like it's pretty obvious why. You know what are false idols? First of all, they often represented things. Pagan gods represented represented um, specific things like lust and love and marriage, right? right. Zeus is thunder. So you're, in an essence, you're putting that above. But also anything that you put your life into that is above God is an idol. Hmm. Right? Because you're worshiping. Oh, yeah. Definitely, man. Like, yeah, I feel like they were kind of coming at it. I almost I almost took it as, like, they were saying, like, where did this phrase come from? You put above, anything you put above God as an idol, as if, like, it's not. Yeah, so that verse proves that's not true. Yeah, it's like, it's like they're almost, like, like, trying to ask, like, where did you come up with this exact phrasing? Well, <laughs> here, here, here's one from the New Testament. Colossians 3, 5 tells us, put to death, therefore... What is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetedness, which is idolatry. Boom. That's, there it is. Yeah. Um, First John 5, 21, little children, keep yourself from idols, but that one. Um, first, first Corinthians 10, 14. Actually, I want to pull that up because. Yeah. Definitely lots of like scriptural evidence here of of what like an idol is and how and what they are and how you can put it above God. Yeah, it's true. Uh here we go. He says in in verse 6 in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, now this is Paul these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up and play. We must not indulge in sexual morality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happen to them as an example, blah, 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 right? Then he goes down to 14 says, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Hmm. Like, and the implication is what could be idolatry? Sexual morality. Yep. Because you're putting it above what God told you to do. That's right. It could be grumbling. Yep. You know, it could be anything. So I think. I like that. Um, yeah. So this is one of those times where it's really important to, um, you know, to know the spirit of it. Hmm. Absolutely, man. Yeah. I think sometimes it's kind of like what even relating to like that first question, like, I feel like sometimes people are looking for like that exact wording to be somewhere in the Bible or it's not true or something. It's just, yeah, when it's like, no, man, like it's there. It's just worded differently, you know. It's true, man. 
Formerly, Galatians 4, 8, formerly when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. Might even be people, right? That's good. Does that make sense? Yep. Makes sense to me. So hopefully, I'm trying to find a few more. So yeah, um, <laughs> Romans 1, 23, and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creepy things. That means, on the one hand, clearly the actual false gods, but also... Women, men, relationships, yes. you know. You don't have to call something a God to be treating it as a God. Exactly. That's really good. I like anyway, that. hope that helps. Yes. What do we got? Now we do, if you want, I we have another Exodus question right after that one. Do you want to answer that one now since we're already on Exodus? Sure. So it's Exodus 19.15, and it says, Why would God tell them to not have sex? Uh, I actually looked this up, but I'm going to... Mm-hmm. Um, give me just a second. Yeah. Because I just want to be able to read it. Oh, okay. Do you have a question about God, life, the Bible, or anything in between? Go ahead and shoot us a question, comment, or a concern at www.theremnant.life/real-talk. So I'll say it one more time because I screwed it up. www.theremnant.life/real-talk. There we go. So this will be interesting. Okay. I'm going to start actually at verse nine. Okay. So this is Moses when he went up to the mountain. All right. Mm-hmm. And then God says, went to the mountain, and the Lord uh, called him from the mountain. This is what you must say to the house of Jacob, blah, blah, blah. You've seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I carried you on wheels, wings, wings, blah, blah, blah. Kind of telling them what it's supposed to do. Okay. Mo- Moses came back down. He summoned the elders and set before them all those words that the Lord had commanded him. Then all the people responded, we will do all the Lord has spoken. So Moses brought the people's words back to the Lord. So he went back up to talk to him. Then the Lord said to Moses in verse 9, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so the people will hear when I speak with you and always believe you. Then he went down and told him again. The Lord told Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Listen, this is, all right. And the Lord told, told Moses, this is verse 10. And the Lord told Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. They must wash their clothes and be prepared by the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put boundaries for the people all around the mountain. Say, be careful that you don't go up on the mountain or touch its base. Anyone who touches the mountain will be put to death. No hand may touch him. Instead, he will be stoned or shot with arrows. No animal or man will live. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they may go up the mountain. So God's presence was going to come, and he says, you need to get the people to understand this, that this is a holy place. They cannot come up here. Wow. Because my, okay, then verse 14, is that what it, one uh, we're on? 15, okay. 19, 15, yep. Then Moses came down from the mountain to the people and consecrated them, and he washed their clothes. He said to the people, who's he? Moses. Be prepared for the third day. Do not have sexual relations with women. Hmm. Now, what do we notice right away? Do you guys notice anything? Go ahead. God didn't tell him to say that. Yeah, Moses. That. Moses that. said that himself. Yeah. So, first off, God didn't tell them to do that. That hmm. was Moses. Now, doesn't mean Moses was wrong. Why did Moses do it? Human wisdom here. He knew that he, I think he wanted the men to be focused, to understand what's happening. And he was trying to, hey, don't get distracted. Yeah, he was, that was his own. He added that himself. That's right. Interesting. Why it's important to really understand scripture. So it doesn't mean Moses was going against God because God didn't say he couldn't do that. He was just, hey guys, let me put in other words. God says, make this a holy moment. They need to understand focus. So God Mm -hmm. comes down and goes, I've done that, right? Maybe you guys, I come in, I'm like, listen guys, We've got Sunday service. We've got to be focused. Don't be messing around on the phone. Yep. Maybe. The point Good is, example. Yeah, yeah, but the point is, like, I'm going to add that. The truth, the main point, though, is, like, we got to be ready for Sunday. Exactly. Yeah, it's not like God was like, Todd, tell them to not be yeah. on the phone. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. In this case. So, yeah, the other thing is God didn't say 
tell them that. God just said they need to know how holy this is. That's right. And Moses was like, they're not going to know how holy this is if I. That's right. I think that's I think that's great. That's a great example. Like, I love sort of that. Like, yeah. Okay. And I, and I think it makes total sense. Yeah, it was just Moses speaking. It was him. It was not directly from God in that moment when he said that. So that's really cool. Heck yeah. Yeah, sorry. Um, sorry, guys. I have to respond. I'm supposed to have a meeting after this, and then the show's gone along, so. Oh, it's all good, brother. Now, I will say... Um, that it makes me wonder how often, like, in those moments, because I'm sure this has happened plenty of times in the Bible when someone was trying to say this, um, how often do you think people said it in a in a place of fear, almost like trying to catch themselves? Like, What's that? Like, the way, so how Moses used it to say, like, he said, like, hey, do you, like, do not have sex with women? And he used that in, as a way of, like, like, getting them prepared for the moment that was coming. Mm-hmm. I wonder if anybody in the Bible has used, like, a similar concept to what Moses did, but for, like, the bad. Like, like they used it the wrong way. Like, God oh, told sure me this, did. but then they, they added, added this part you of, mean, like, like... the Pharisees? That's fair. <laughs> yeah, they, I think people do that, right? Yeah. I think you're right on. Um, so, question number two, moving forward. Was the flood referenced in Proverbs 3.20? I've got Proverbs for you. 3.20 says... By his knowledge, the watery depths broke open and the clouds ripped with dew. However, uh, just so you know, I'm going to read this a little bit more. Starts with verse 13. Happy is a man who finds wisdom, for he, for who, who acquires understanding, and who acquires understanding, for she is more profitable than silver, and her revenue is better than gold, that being wisdom. She's more precious than jewels. Nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand, and her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her and to those who hold on who hold on to are happy. Hmm. 19, the Lord founded the earth by wisdom and established the heavens by understanding. By his knowledge, the watery depths broke open and the clouds dripped with dew. Uh, I don't think that is a reference to the flood, no. Yeah. So why? I think, I think it's just saying, like, that's the power. Like, that's his power. Boom. He set the oceans and the earth. Yeah, yes. I agree completely. Like, if, yeah, if anything, they're saying, look at how powerful your God is. Yeah. And by his, by his knowledge, he's able to do those things. He created the yes. water, the these like the oceans and all if that. If anything, yeah. it's going. Why won't you listen to this? To, to God. This God. <laughs> but I think it's cool that when you ask this question, that your mind then also went to this same God made the world flood. Like that's still the same thought. Yeah. But yeah, that that specific verse is not referencing. I agree with AJ. Mm-hmm. I think it's by the you know uh, I cannot speak. Proverbs are a very specific type of literature, and it is. He's making an analogy to point and a, and a symbol and a, an example to point how powerful God is. Oh, yeah. Right? It's kind of like when we say, you know, I always say, like, God can spin the sun on his fingertips, right? Like, that's how oh, big yeah. he is. Good stuff. We actually have another Exodus question. Cool. So it's, uh, what's the difference between the holy place and the most holy place mentioned in Exodus 26, 31? And they said the, and they actually mentioned the version they're reading. They were reading CEV, the common English version. Okay, give me just a second to pull some of those up. Yep. Exodus 26. The holy place and the most holy place. Yeah, the building of the tabernacle. Okay. Um, going down to what? 31? 26, 31. Yep. You are to make a curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and finely spun linen with a design of cherubim worked into it. Hanging on the four. So that was all. Um, okay, they really want to go down. Hang the curtain... 
33, hang the curtain on the class and bring the ark of testimony behind the curtain so the curtain will make a separation for you between the holy place and the most holy place. <clears throat> um, so specifically... Kind of like the temple, so it feels correct. like. Yeah. Um, well, I can tell you right now, the holy of holies, and that's why the ark went in there, um, which the tablets of Moses and all that stuff went in there. Why did that happen? That is where the presence of God was. So that is the Holy of Holies. Not everyone could even go That's there. That's right. So, um, so essentially, it had like, to do with who could go where. Yeah. Um, and in the actual building of the of the tabernacle and the temple later on. Yeah. So the holy place is actually at the section in the place where the priests would do the rituals and the sacrifice. Does that make sense? Yep. Um, to honor God, and then the inner place is. Uh, where God's presence was. That's right, which is, to, in their question, that's the most holy place, right? Yeah, that's, Correct, that's which where, is the holy of holies yeah. often translated, yeah. So hopefully, um, so yeah, holy in and of itself, if, in case everyone knows, we all know what it means intrinsically, but it means set apart, different, it's special, right? Yep. Consecrated. So God must be separated from us, and um, so the, I'm trying to think of a way to say it. The whole tabernacle is holy. We know the temple, right? It was considered holy. Yeah. And then the holy places, there were three articles of furniture. You had the lampstand, had to be um, lit all the time. There was the table for the presence of bread. Uh, new bread would be made. What was the third thing? Oh, yeah, no, uh, incense. So the holy place was set apart because it was a special representation, a reminder of the presence of God. So it's sort of a reminder yeah. of what we're doing. And then the smaller chamber would be where the Ark of the Covenant was. And then a special area called the mercy seat, and that was where supposedly the throne of God was. That's so it's terrifying. like you're getting more and more consecrated as you that, get. That's insane. Yeah. So that's, that's where. That's a terrifying image in my head. Yeah, and it would it. be, right? The idea of tying a rope to him, because if you're not ready, you die in the presence of God. That's why, you know, he is set apart. And it's kind of funny that they're bringing this up because in Exodus 19, that's the beginning of God trying to get them to understand I am different than you. You are not, you cannot come where I am. Jeez, it's good man. stuff. Good question. Yeah, absolutely. Wild. Um, let's see. Looks like that's all the Exodus I have. <laughs> uh, all righty. So that brings me to uh, thoughts on an article. Okay. Um, the article is, make sure it's always what it's called, but Trump is tearing apart the evangelical church. Mm-hmm. Um, go all the way back here. Yep, that's what it's called. Uh, the article is from the Atlantic, and it's the Evangelical Church is breaking apart. I'm sorry, that's what it's called. The actual the Evangelical tr uh, Church is breaking apart. Yep. It does talk about um, that. It, the author is a guy named Peter Weiner. Yep. He's a contributing writer at the Atlantic and a senior fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center. He writes widely on political, cultural, religious, and national security issues, and he's the author of the book The Death of Politics, How to Heal Our Frayed Republic After Trump. It's important to note just because he has a, uh, you know, he has a viewpoint. So right. we went ahead and actually this is something we did read ahead of time because yep. this is a long article, guys. It is very interesting. Maybe we'll try to put the, the link if they want. Oh, absolutely. Um, we'll try to do that in the show notes and such. But So that's it. AJ, what are your thoughts on this article? Uh, the, the, the article itself, again, is not technically called... Trump is tearing it apart. It is called, I want to make that clear so everyone hears. It is called, they, for some reason, though, at the top of it, it says that. If 
from the Atlantic. That's what they call it internally, maybe? That's weird. Oh, the actual that. article is called, The Evangelical Church is Breaking Apart. Right, and then all of a sudden... But yet, Trump when you turn it, it says, <laughs> yeah. Trump is tearing apart the Evangelical Church. Anyway, yep. so the Evangelical Church is breaking apart. Yes. So my thoughts on this is... It, it was a kind of a roller coaster because there was moments where there were some really good points made. I agree. And some of the points made were by different uh, pastors uh, mm-hmm. that this guy had interviewed. Um, but then there was also some people he interviewed that were just absolutely, I was like, oh, that, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So it definitely, it was definitely, uh, I, felt, I felt like the guy who wrote this, uh, he was definitely a little skewed, I think, as far as like where he was leaning towards, which again, you said is fine. Like everyone has their own opinion. Sure. Um, and he was, and I kind of felt like he was willing to still put some truth in there from some of the uh, more conservative people that he had interviewed. So that was cool. But uh, yeah, and and before you go into it, I'll just to give people an idea of the thoughts of it, and then I'll let you read what you are. So yeah. sort of give sort of its thesis statement here. Um, he would say a couple of statements that kind of wrap up his thoughts on it, or or give an overview. Mm-hmm. Would say that um, quote. Uh, nearly everyone tells me there's at least a small group in every church, a, pa- a pastor and prominent figure supposedly within the evangelical world who would only speak anonymously told him. Nearly every one, nearly everyone tells me there's at least a small group in nearly every evangelical church complaining and agitating against teaching or policies that aren't sufficiently conservative or anti-woke. A pastor and prominent figure within the evangelical world told the author, uh, like others with whom I spoke about this topic, he requested anonymity, anonymity, wanted to be anonymous, in order to speak candidly, it's everywhere, Um, blah, 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 he says, so this author, this, uh, what is his name, I just told you, Uh, Peter Weiner says, the aggressive, disruptive, and unforgiving mindset that characterizes so much of our politics has found a home in many American churches, and then he goes on to kind of describe that, Um, he says, when the Christian faith is politicized, churches become repositories not of grace, but of grievances, places where tribal identities are reinforced, where fears are nurtured, and where aggression and nastiness are sacralized. The result is not only wounding the nation, it's having a devastating impact on the Christian faith. Yes. Anyway, go ahead. So it was interesting because just kind of reading through, you know, I kind of highlighted a couple things here and there. Like one of them, for example, was uh, he was interviewing uh, a pastor. uh, In a matter of four months, uh, there there was a... Several pastors who resigned from a Bethlehem Baptist church, which was a flagship church in Minneapolis, uh, and one of them, his name was Brian, uh, and he cited mistreatment by elders, uh, domineering leadership, bullying, and spiritual abuse in a toxic culture. Mm. Um, and it was interesting uh, because it sounded like they, I feel like the underlying theme of this whole thing is they're, they're making it political. Like they're talking about mm. the reason why there was domineering leadership, bullying, and spiritual abuse in toxic culture. Uh, he kind of relates it to political conflicts. Uh, yeah, because it's literally at, right after that, it says political conflicts are hardly the whole reason for the turmoil, but according to news accounts, they played a significant role, particularly on matters having to do with race. So they, they kind of took some what we would call hot-button topics, smashed them together and said, this is the reason why uh, evangelical churches are kind of imploding. And uh, hmm. I don't know, man. I don't... I disagree on a lot of it. Um, I'm trying to find some more stuff here. Yeah, yeah, man. Take your time. Let's see. So it says, like, for example here, it says, many Christians have embraced the worst aspects of our culture and our politics. 
Um, it says when when the Christian faith is politicized, churches become uh, uh, repositories not of grace but of grievances, places uh, places where tribal uh, tribal identities are reinforced, where fears are nurtured, and where aggression and nastiness are, are sacralized. Uh, the result is not only wounding the nation; it's having a devastating impact on the Christian faith. So it's like, you know, a lot of people, in my opinion, they want to take the truth of the Bible, and if it makes them uncomfortable, they want to say, well, that's wrong. Mm. And therefore, they're going to make it political, and that's when they're going to talk about how there's, you know, aggression and, and nastiness and whatnot because you're standing up for what's true. And they're essentially saying, well, that's what's driving people. That's what's imploding <laughs> the evangelical church. And it's like, you know, I don't know. So, for example, it says, uh, here it says, the idea within the religious right that certain political positions were deeply Christian. So they're already, again, they are, they're categorizing, you know, the right, you know, the political right as mm. deeply Christian. Like, it's just kind of slated to make us, to make the right look a certain way. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I like, think. Because then they're saying, because we're right and they're deeply Christian, well, those Christian values are, are you know, the wrong well, I, I actually think he's saying, I agree with you. I think what he's saying, though, he is saying, mm -hmm. he's kind of agreeing with you. But you're, I think you're coming at it from a different way. So what he's saying there is, um, he believes that the problems are, this author, that is the idea that the religious right is a deeply, is naturally deeply um, Christian, which essentially he's implying that isn't the case. Does that make sense? Oh, okay. So we're getting a okay. problem because... People think polit certain political parties are more Christian than others. And he says Got that's you. a problem. Now, where I am, and I think what you're – I don't think that's necessarily a problem. You know, when given the choice between two rotten apples, I'm still going to take the apple that is less gross than the other apple. Yeah. And there's certain things, man, that, you know – I don't know. I, so I agree with you that's an issue. But I think, I think he is saying that's part of – but he says that's a problem. Like, right. That that's causing the problems because, for instance, let's say the religious or let's say the uh, let's say Republicans. OK, they're not Christians. Right. That is not a Christian party. Mm. There is no Christian party, which is true in and of itself. But right. Um, let's see. And, you know, he kind of goes on. He kind of goes on to. Uh, he gives some quotes from some other people that he was interviewing. Um, let's see. Let's see. There was. A guy named James Ernest, he's a vice president and editor-in-chief at Erdman's, the publisher of religious books. Uh, it says, Ernest was one of the several figures I spoke with who pointed to, uh, it's a, I'm going to probably not say this right, but it's, it's catch, uh, catechism, I don't know, catechism, yeah. catechism. Uh, the process of instructing and informing people through teaching as a source of the problem. So he says, the evangelical church in the U.S. over the last five decades has failed to form its adherence into disciples. So there is great hollowness. All that was needed to cause the implosion that we've seen was sufficiently provocative stimulus, and that stimulus has come. Uh, so I, th I thought that was an interesting point because I was like, okay, that makes sense. Like we're not our lead, you know, the leaders in the church are not willing to, to develop disciples because in order to do that, you have to tell them uncomfortable truth. So I thought that was a cool point mm -hmm. in, in, in the article. Like yeah. I thought that was cool. Um, let's see here. They did mention... Um, so then Alan Jacobs, another guy, he was a dis they, he's a distinguished professor of, huma of uh, humanities in the honors program at Baylor University. 
Um, he talks about the current political culture of, of multiple technologies and platforms. Uh, he was saying, you know, television, radio, social media, podcasts, you know, uh, can constantly feed that that agenda. So I thought that was cool that they, that they yeah. brought that brought that into play. Um, yeah, I feel like the overall point of what he's saying, and I think you're kind of touching it. Listen, there's some mixes here. So let me let me give them to continue as you're pointing this out. His yeah. point is, in this article is politics have have people have begun to align themselves <clears throat> in Christianity. They have blurred the line between politics and our faith. Yes. Um, which I would agree with. And he is saying, he makes some really good points. For instance, he says, due to what's been happening in this country the last two years, for instance, in this, this quote alone, he says, the coronavirus pandemic, of course, has placed religious communities under extraordinary strain. Uh, for many Christians, it's been a bar, it's been a bar, meaning it's barring them from gathering and worshiping together, sharing communion and performing baptism and baptisms and saying common prayers and participating in rituals and liturgy. Not being in community destabilized what has long been a core sense of Christian identity. Then he goes on to say, but there's more to the fractures than just COVID-19. And that's where he goes on to say, essentially, the statement that we have made, Christians have become, his main point is Donald Trump has become synonymous with Christianity and that that is bad, okay? So he goes on to say, historian George Marsden told me that political loyalties can sometimes be so strong that they create a religious-like faith that overrides or transforms Mm. a more traditional religious faith. I agree with that. I agree with that. We can let our social and political backgrounds and ideologies become more important than Christ. Yes. Now, where I struggle in this article is the idea where he only, it's a very well-written article, but he, he seems to only be pointing to that being negative in the sense of Donald Trump or, or very, quote, conservative values. In fact, he right. goes on later because he says the first step, you brought this up, was the cultivation of the idea within the religious right that certain political positions were deeply Christian. So what does he say the first step in making a religious-like, a political loyalty with a religious-like faith that overrides or transforms traditional faith? The first step is to create... The idea that the religious right um, is deeply Christian. And then he said, then came Donald Trump. Right. And he goes on to say, when Trump was able to quote, quote, when Trump was, he interviews this guy named Marsden. He says, quote, when Trump was able to, to add open hatred and resentments to the political religious stance of, quote, true believers across the line, Marsden, mean the historian said, tribal instincts seem to have become overwhelming. The dominance of political religion or professed religion is seen in how, for many, the loyalty to Trump became a blind allegiance. The result is that many Christian followers of Trump have come to see a gospel of hatreds, resentments, vilifications, put-downs, and insults as expression of the Christianity for which they, too, should be willing to fight. Mm. Um, He goes on to say, to quote Tim Schultz, the president of First Amendment Partnership, advocate for religious freedom, he said, evangelicism was due a reckoning. It's been held together by political orientation and sociology more than common theology. I would agree with that. So he's saying real Christ- evangelical Christianity in this country has actually been held together more by political views and social views than it ever has than, by than the, the Bible. Bible. Right. Mm-hmm. Which we agree with. Yes. And he says the twin crises of the summer of 2020, COVID and a heightened awareness of enduring racial injustice, think George Floyd, mm-hmm. exposed this long unnoticed truth. Now, you brought this up before we started the show, and this is true. In 2020, 
we said in the show during the pandemic, we we all remember that yep. that this was gonna. We didn't know how much. Yeah, this is just. But the, the pandemic was gonna show the cracks within the walls of Christianity. Oh yeah. Okay. I would go f- farther on though. I would Society, say even like, when people were stealing diapers and right. formula and toilet paper for themselves. Okay. So, um, and you brought up, he says, what the reason that this can happen is because there's a massive discipleship failure. Yes. Caused by uh, catechist failure, meaning they're not teaching them essentially from the Bible. We're not teaching how to be a disciple. Exactly. Um, and then he said, the process of instructing and forming people through teaching. He says that's the problem. He says that the, the fact is the evangelical church in the U.S. over the last five decades has failed to form its adherents, meaning its followers, into disciples. Meaning right. the problem has happened that over the last 50 years, churches are not being, they're filled with people who are not being, being taught to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's right. Which we both would, I think everybody would agree with. Oh, yeah. And then he goes on and says, in the absence of the church teaching people how to be disciples, this is my own words, but this is what he says. He says, the culture has begun to make them disciples of itself. Mm. We say this all the time, right? Real talk exists because we said you deserve to have answers to your questions because in the silence of the church, someone's going to answer. That's right. Agree with this completely. Okay, so far we're on the same side. And then he goes on to say, many churches aren't interested in making disciples at all. They focus instead on entertainment. Yep. Because entertainment is what keeps people in the seats and coins in the offering plate. We agree with that too. Oh, yeah. And then he goes on to say, even real, even pastors who are committed to doing this, they only get an, an average of an hour a week to teach people. That's Sermons right. Sermons are short. Very few churchgoers attend adult education classes. Even fewer attend Bible studies in small groups. That's We've right. seen that even with our church, and I feel like we're radical. No one comes to our foundations theology class. If you're a remnant folk listening to this, you don't come to that. Yep. You don't sign up for Bible studies. So then he goes on to say, this guy named Jacob says, so if people are getting one kind of teaching for half an hour per week mm-hmm. and another for dozens of hours per week, meaning by the culture, which one do you think will win? That's right. It's going to be the news. Right? And if we're not teaching people to be disciples, then we're also not teaching them to read the Bible. That's so, right. Yeah, an hour wouldn't be enough anyway. But if they're not reading scripture and learning, if they're not living as a disciple the rest of the week, well, of course someone's gonna they're gonna be shaped by That's culture. Right. He even I like he even says uh, it's a pretty radical comparison, but I, I, it stuck out to me was mm-hmm. he says the churches have barely better than a snowball's chance of hell in shaping most people's lives. Exactly because he's saying there's just not enough time. That's right. He says people come to believe that what they're most thoroughly and intensively taught to believe, and that. Teaching comes not from the churches, but from the media they consume, or rather, the media that consumes, consumes them. them. Yeah. Yep. Now, he says here, too, though, he goes, this is not a problem limited to the faithful on one side of the aisle. This is true of both the Christian left and Christian right. This is where mm-hmm. I have a problem, and I've always said this. There is no Christian left and right. No. There is Christianity. That's right. Okay, and that's a fact. You either follow Christ or you don't. Yep. So I, my, I'm already disagreeing a little. It's this idea that you can be a Christian, but be... You know, there is fallen Christ. Now, there's gray areas yes. that we have to just trust and walk in faith. But quit acting like that. You're politicizing it right then and there. When you say when there's you say a Christian that, left and right, yep, you already that's know. my problem with this article. This, this article is he makes this really good point about in America, politics have trumped the Bible. Right. I would agree. But he only speaks negatively of, let's just be real, the Republican side of Christianity. Mm-hmm. How do I know that? Well, he goes on. He says, um, sorry, I'm trying to 
<clears throat> well, he goes on to make a lot of good comments. He says, I want to finish up real quick before I go into that. He says, many people are more committed to their politics than what the Bible says. We would agree. We have failed not only to teach people the whole of Scripture, but have also failed to help them think biblically. We have failed to teach them that sometimes Scripture is most useful. Oh, gosh, that's not, I don't agree with that statement. When it doesn't say what we want it to say, because then it's correcting us. Actually, I do agree with that. Sorry, I thought I was saying something else. Yeah. So he's saying the Bible is, is most transforming when we have to deal with the parts that we don't like because exactly. it changes us. Exactly. Um, so here's the thing. Now he then goes on to say this. I feel under assault sometimes too, says this, this teacher. This pat. I feel under assault sometimes too. However, I also know that the early Christians transformed the Roman Empire not by demanding but by loving, mm. not by angrily shouting about the rights in the public square, but by serving even the people who persecuted them. Yes. That, which is why Christianity grew so quickly and took over the empire. Now that, that's true. Yep. And as he ends it with saying, we have forgotten the cross. I agree with that. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, but, and I've always said that, we've talked about, we're not going to, why would we go into the square and, you know, shout against homosexuals yep. and say, that's so stupid. Um, then he says, his, this guy said, how many people look at churches in America this day and see the face of Jesus? I mm -hmm. agree. Then he goes on to essentially talk about Trump. But then we start going. Then you're kind of seeing. You're going to start seeing the slant of this article. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yep. This is where he ends up quoting this woman named Kristen Kobe's Dumais. I'm sorry, Miss Dumais, if I said it wrong. She's a history professor at Calvin University mm -hmm. and the author of the book Jesus and John Wayne: How White Evangelicals Corrupted a Faith and Fractured a Nation. Stop. We're sitting here saying that that happened, and yet you're calling it white evangelicals. You're creating the division yeah, that you're, you're railing against. Yeah, you're saying, or you're at least you're adding saying to look it. at the media, but you're doing it yourself. Yeah, it's annoying. And he says that Trump, uh, blah, blah, blah. This lady essentially says that American evangelicals have worked for decades to replace the Jesus of the Gospels with an idol of rugged masculinity and Christian nationalism. Now, some of that I can agree with. There's a lot of Christians that believe that America is God's place. And, mm -hmm. and you've heard me say, America could cease existing today. We have no, there's nothing in the Bible says America is going to last till the end of time. Nope. But then he goes on to say that this lady goes on to say it's important to recognize that rugged warrior Jesus is not the only Jesus, blah, blah. Yep. Um, it's just funny, man. So this is a huge article, and that's why we're kind of all over. Um, mm -hmm. And there's some good points. The idea that, you know, putting men and women against each other and um, on and on and on, right? I think um, <laughs> she says... Men who embrace a kinder, gentler version of masculinity may tip into a more rugged, ruthless version when they deem the situation sufficiently, so here she goes with men again, sufficiently yeah. dire. For more than half a century, she said, evangelical leaders have found reason to deem the situation defy. They rallied their congregations against the threats of communism, secular humanism, feminism, gay rights, radical uh, Islam, Democrats in the White House, Democratic decline and critical race theory. Yep. When you put all those together, some of those are ridiculous, but some of them we should stand against. 100%. Not by necessarily... Um, railing, right? But mm -hmm. by, I mean, by saying there's truth. And I think that's what you were saying earlier. Yes. So, yeah, I don't know. What's your overall view, I guess, of this article? I think it had some good information in it, but overall, I think it's still, it's like you said, it's, it's still feeding the fire because there's still, you're still stoking division within your own article. 
completely agree. And I think that they've this author, Peter, has done a great job of, of pointing out something that is true, that the church is in a weird place. 100%. But I would say it's just as dangerous to have the woke, I'm using their terminology, and the, yep. the woke ideology, which is also against the Bible. Yes. Okay? Which puts humans' comfort and desire above the will of God, and that's not true. You can speak truth and or you can speak love and mercy and grace and also the truth because when we teach a gospel that does not involve the death of something of us, of our desires over Christ, that's not the gospel. That's not nope. Jesus. So, and, and you can see in a lot of ways, they quote this pastor who's complaining and says, you know, 29% of pastors are quitting. And I believe it. I know I'm one of, it's hard yeah, right that's, now. Yeah, that was sad. But he goes right here. Even this pastor says, um, a ton of pastors are quitting, and he says, most pastors hate conflict, so if you're going to pay me one quarter of what I can make on the market, why put up with this? And I that's, wrote, that's faith in God, man. That's, that's right. why you do it. You don't do it for that reason. Yeah, man, that's, that, was, that was really sad to read Yeah, when I heard that. Um, so I think this guy, you know, and this is happening, I think it's more po- popular than... He ends it with this, and I wrote this. So he, I like the idea of we need to find Jesus. We need to not put politics above... Our faith. I love that. I think that's right. I think this guy's wrong in the fact that he's not saying what he really thinks. And I think the top of this article is what he really probably called it. Trump is tearing apart the evangelical church. No. Politics and media are tearing apart this church by making us put, not even making us, sadly. We are we are putting those um, identities above Christ in the Bible. I also love the fact that you pointed out, or he pointed out, that we are not making disciples. And because of that, they're getting swept up in these... Things. But it's not just Trumpism, which could happen. Like, it's sometimes true. There are people that follow Trump and worship him more than Jesus. Oh, yeah. But there are also people over here in the woke club who are saying anything that offends people is wrong, and that mm-hmm. isn't true. Jesus absolutely was love and mercy and grace, but he was also the one that looked at someone and said, you brood of vipers, you know, and talked about those things. So That's right. this is what I would say. I ended it with this. This guy, this was his closing statement. He said, something has gone amiss. Pastors know it as well as anyone and better than most. The Jesus of the Gospels, the Jesus who won their hearts and who long ago won mine, needs to be reclaimed. Mm-hmm. And I put this. Jesus isn't passive. We don't need to reclaim him. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? I don't like that concept. It's still putting us at the center. Yep. So I think there's a lot of good things in here. I think it's slanted, like AJ said. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that, you know, <laughs> we need to understand that, that that's absolutely happening. But both sides are, are to blame, and both extremes are bad. Okay? Does that yeah. make sense? Oh, yeah. So, And it's not wrong to stand firm on truth, even if it offends yep. people. And it will offend people. Jesus said, you think I came to bring peace? I came to bring the sword. I will turn uh, mother against son, father against husband, you know, wife. I mean, on and on and on. That's right. So I didn't mean to ramble. I'm just, no, that's a I big think it's article. good, man. It is. And I, I thought it was a cool article that was that. Was picked. Was there any other things you thought that I didn't kind of cover there? And I loved the thoughts you had. Um, I think, to me, it was just sad. Like you brought up, like, um, just they they interviewed a lot of different pastors, and a lot of them, like, just their their ideas just kind of made me sad. Like you yeah. know, the idea of southernization, like that. Oh, was, I saw that too. That was like what, and like how they they, the guy they interviewed for it said how you know the, the idea of southernization in the in the evangelical church and how. You know, that's essentially like, oh, like they just brought in racism to the evangelical church because of how Southern culture is. And I was like, what? What are you talking about, man? But uh, so that that was just sad. And then seeing like you mentioned the guy who talked about how like if I, I can get paid much more to 
deal with this. Why, why would I stay? Like, that was just sad. Um, now one guy that I did see that, and I can't remember, I think this was a different guy, but they talked, you know, they talked about during the interview, how he was blowing up in tears because he had spent so much of his life trying to build this, build this culture of Jesus, you know, and like, and how it was just getting ripped apart and like that, that one made me really sad. Cause that sounded like a guy, he even said like, I, he, if I remember, he even said one of his quotes was like, I just pray to Jesus that, that I stay. I did. I thought that was beautiful. And too. I was like, dang man, that guy, he's living it out. He's really, he's not, he's not the guy who's talking about money and how pay me more and I can deal with this. Like that guy shouldn't be a pastor in my opinion, if that's all you're doing it for. Yeah. But like, that guy who's sitting there welling up with tears trying to say, I hope I have the strength to keep going. Like, that's Amen. a guy. That's a guy who freaking, that guy is, deserves to be in ministry because he sees the heart behind it all. It's good so. stuff, man. I love it. Great article. Um, let us know your thoughts on it. Uh, again, we'll try to put that in there. Um, yeah. It's an interesting article regardless. I agree with a lot of it, and I just don't agree with the overall reasoning why mm -hmm. i think that's all we got we got a ton of other stuff we really need to put out that bonus episode we got a question on here i really want to get to about uh, this specific church that sponsors the show the remnant and their view of marriage yeah i'd love to talk about that i just think for today we've probably ran out of time um but we'll get to that maybe yeah, we'll, maybe we'll film it later anyway you have any thoughts aj uh just great episode a lot of information i hope you guys get something out of it uh if you guys are watching from facebook make sure you like share comment uh, if you're watching from YouTube, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, hit the notification bell. And uh, if you're watching from Rumble, go ahead and give us a Rumble. That's it. Fun turn. If you're on the podcast, we greatly appreciate you leaving us a review, a five-star review. Leave a little blurb down there. You can even say that it's you like PB&J sandwiches or Reese cups or, or whatever you like. We, we like peanut butter and jelly and Reese cups. Please just leave a blurb. It's it doesn't true, even have to be something good about the show. But if there is something good about the show, we will appreciate the encouragement. <laughs> Now, if you don't have anything nice to say, do what your mama said. Keep it to yourself. We'd love to have you. Make and sure if you want to sit down and have a discussion and disagree with us, that's what the link's for. Again, go to that link, drop your questions. Maybe we will have a little bit of a discussion. We'll, we'll get it. We'll do it. I know Todd's willing. But uh, <laughs> if, please don't leave us a one-star review. Uh, <laughs> have yeah, a great please. day. It's been great talking with you guys. Yeah, I love you too, man. Thanks so much, guys. Sorry for blasting through that super fast, just trying to get it all in and not go for three hours. So <laughs> love you guys. Hope you have a great day. And uh, like, share, all those beautiful things. Have a great day. God bless you.